You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. Today will be our final teaching on our preparation for WAFBEC 2023. All right. And um, this principle and what I want to teach on is your personal preparation for the meeting. That is your own personal preparation for the meeting. But this is applicable to every other meeting that you attend, even for church services um, every um, Sunday. It's how you um, obtain or receive spiritual encounters with God in meetings like this. Um, So we are sharing on this how to personally prepare uh, for it. I mean, last week we read out testimony of a lady who, I mean, just consciously prepared for the anointing service and her conscious preparation for it brought about a massive breakthrough in her own life. So it's something that can be used in your everyday life. Don't just take it as something we do for Wavbeck, and then after Wavbeck, we drop all right, the practice of the principles. Now, first thing that we said is in coming, when you are coming for a spiritual meeting or gathering, you have to be intentional about it. What that means is that your mind is involved, not just your physical presence, but the way and manner in which your thoughts are arranged towards the meeting. So you are focused on a clear-cut objective or reason why you are going into the place. And as simple as this sounds, many of us omit it. That is, the second thing is take to God in prayer. And we said for Wavec, three major things or a major thing you want out of the meeting. That is, you take it to God in prayer and present it to him. Now, the reason is that the system of God, his kingdom, what we'll call an ecosystem, the way things work inside his his kingdom, there is a system to it. Now, once you don't understand the system, all right, so that particular thing, then you start missing out at some point, and you won't, you know, you'll be wondering what is really going on. Now, what you do is to present it to God in prayer and then ask that God direct the anointing in the meeting towards these particular issues that you are bringing forth and establish a contract with God in prayer concerning it. When I say contract, like coming into a covenant with God in prayer 
concerning it. Stay in the place of prayer at about 3 a.m. or 3.24 a.m. to be exact. Uh, let me just share this. A minister in church sent me a message and he said, yesterday when we were praying, you talked about spending a long time, spending time in prayer. And he said, you seem to have changed your mind about saying the amount of time you should spend in prayer to be able to get to that place where you start hearing God. Could you tell me the amount of time you should spend? And I, I smiled because I actually thought about it and looked at the congregation and said, don't let me bring anybody under any sense of guilt, all right, if they are unable to pray this long. So let me just stop from saying it. So he actually asked me, he said, what is the stipulated time you feel you should spend to get to that point? And I told him, I'm not going to say it, okay? But I'm not going to say it because I don't want anybody to, to say that, ah, may I just pray 15 minutes so, and then they're telling me this kind of time to spend in prayer. And then you pray 30 minutes. God may hear you in 30 minutes, but you start feeling guilty that you have not spent the amount of time we've said you should spend. So I don't know the stamina. Anybody that asks me that privately is ready to stay. <laughs> but I can't say it publicly. But you stay until you get a note of victory, all right? And when you get a note of victory, right, what happens is, and I was going to say this, in a corporate prayer meeting. Some people say, well, so how do you know note of victory? If you're all praying together in a corporate prayer meeting and you come to a point, for, like, for example, yesterday, there was a point where the note of victory came. If you ask everybody inside the meeting, what time did the note of victory come? If they were looking at their wristwatch, it would be exactly the same time. In other words, you are pushing against a demonic force and you got to a point where you overcome, overcame that demonic force and at that point, everybody inside their heart, they will register all right, that they have gotten a note of victory at that particular point. Now, let's read this in Romans chapter 10 from verse 11. All right, just follow me on this and say something. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. The scripture says that whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. All right, so it says whosoever believeth on Jesus shall not all right, be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is rich over all that call upon him. Then verse 13 it says, And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall, not can, not may, all right, not is possible, it is shall. In other words, if I take a glass here, they brought a glass of water to me, and I take up that glass and, and I'm about to do this, Everybody here will know with all certainty that if I throw the glass down with the force that I have used, all right, to take it up, and they can see the intent, they know that the glass cup will shatter. That is, it shall shatter. So if I throw it on the ground and it hits the ground and starts bouncing, you will know it is not glass, Okay. Because once it's glass, that way it shall. Now, so whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall, not may, not can, but shall be saved. So if we are not experiencing the salvation, when we say we pray, then it must mean that we are not fulfilling what that scripture means by call upon the name of the Lord. Because it tells us in verse 11, 
whosoever believeth on him, put it up, will not be ashamed. Then in 13 it says, whosoever calls upon him shall, all right, be saved. Then it goes in verse 14 and says this, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? All right? So the person believes, and out of that belief, he calls on the name of the Lord. But then he says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Then he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Then he goes on and says, how shall they preach except they be sent? In other words, what the scripture is saying is this. If a preacher is sent to an individual, that individual will believe what is preached unto them. Let me repeat. If a preacher is sent to somebody, that person will believe when they hear and that belief there will bring about, that type of believing it describes here, will bring about the results in the life of that particular person without fail. In other words, what is required is that somebody be sent to that person because once that person is sent there, the words of that person will cause that individual to believe, and when they call on God concerning that thing, they shall be saved. All right? So it's about being sent. So when you are praying, I want to explain what it means here, all right, to be sent. So it's about being sent, that the person must be sent. Now, it's not whether the person is anointed is whether the person is sent. Jesus said, were there not many widows in Israel? Elijah was anointed. But only to the widow at Zarephath was he sent. And once he was sent to that person, that person got results. Bible tells us Elisha was sent to the leper, and the leper got results because he was sent to that person. And when they are sent, the word they bring is not, now hear this, what you hear is not the general theology of Christ, but the specific instructions on what you should do in that situation to bring about a transformation. So hear me very well. If you have 2,000 people somewhere, what I'm saying is that the minister, based on the way the 2,000 people are prepared, the minister may be sent to 30. The 2,000 people hear the same message, but those 30 people will perceive and understand what they should do in their own given situation to change things around. They are not there with the general concept of the message. They come out with specific instructions on what they should do in that particular situation to bring about the salvation of God in their life. 
That's when, uh, all right, you are hearing from that sent point. So being sent, really, is not dependent on the preacher. It's actually dependent on the people. Now, I'll explain this. And once a person is sent, you know, Kenneth Hagin said something. I understand it perfectly. He said he was preaching to his uncle once. And he preached to him for about 10 years to get saved. The man did not. He prayed, prayed. He said one day, that's why we need to get the ecosystem properly. He said one day, he was reading the Bible and God said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are full. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. So God told him, pray that I will send somebody to preach to your uncle instead of you going to preach to him. He said he went to God and prayed. Three days after the man got saved. God has a system once we understand it. Now, once somebody is sent to you, all right, there will be no issue. You will hear God as you ought to hear in terms of what to do. Not that you will hear that by the stripes of Jesus you are healed. You will hear in your own spirit what you ought to do in order to get it. And this is God's system of doing things. In other words, you pray to him about an issue. What God does is that he will raise somebody somewhere and send that person to you. That is the system of God. And once that person comes in and you understand that, your heart will be open, waiting for it. Once it comes in to you there, that's why the Bible says, not holding the head, through which all the body, by joints and bands, have nourishment ministered. Now, you're holding on to the head Christ, all right, as your only source, but he's going to use channels, which means joints and bands. Put up the scripture in Colossians, yeah? all right, joints and bands has nourishment ministered. So he ministers nourishment through joints and bands in order to get to you as a person, all right? So, being sent now, that's not holding the head. So, you hold on to the head. You're not holding on to the people. You are holding on to the head, but the head, through joints and bands, has nourishment ministered and knit together. Now, God has done it this way so that there'll be no pride in anybody's heart, which means that he will make sure that people are involved so that you don't start feeling all right, like, you know, you and God, you know, just you and God in heaven, all right? And, and have that sense of exaltation over other people. It keeps, all right, the system balanced. That's why it says there's no schism in the body so that the body, nobody will come up with pride or he won't, his actions won't tempt any person to get into pride there that, you know, it, people are involved in bringing this thing to pass, all right, within the life of that particular individual. That's why it says in Isaiah chapter 13. Let's say this, Isaiah chapter 13. It says in verse 19. All right, we can start from 19. Yeah. Isaiah 30 and verse 19. For the people shall dwell in Zion, thou shalt weep no more. But he will be gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry when he shall hear it. Now, these were people that were first of all running around. And they were left as an ensign upon the hill. Verse 17, 1,000 shall flee, and you shall be left as a beacon at the top of a mountain as an ensign on a hill. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious unto thee. Verse 18, all right? And he will be exalted that he may have mercy upon thee. 
For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. Then the people, all right, that dwell at Zion, in Jerusalem thou shalt weep no more. He will be gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Now, what is his answer? Though the Lord give the bread, next verse, of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers, and your ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way to go. Now, you are fired up a prayer because of the adversity, and what God said is, cost your eyes to see the teachers. That's the way he answers it. And then you now know the way in which you should go, which means it's not now we're running around because guess what? You know clearly the way you should go. The widow at Zarephath knew what she was supposed to do. Naaman knew exactly what he was supposed to do there. All right, he saw it. It's called he perceived it in the spirit. From the scriptures, he perceived it. These things are scriptural, but you can't quote a scripture to back the action. Are you following what I'm saying here? You can't say to somebody else, go and dip yourself seven times in a pool. But it's while the ministry of the word is going on, you just see the thing on the inside there. All right? And then you go and act on it. The other people come out with the knowledge of the fact that God is willing to heal. You come out with the knowledge of what to do. You see the difference here? Others come out and say God loves widows and he really has a heart for widows and he has told people that they should support widows and all of that. Another person knows this is what I'm supposed to do. Someone comes out and says, ah, things on the outside are quite difficult in Nigeria on the outside. And they've told us Nigeria will be great in the meeting they prophesied. God is going to do something in Nigeria. Another person comes out with, go and put your money here and everything happening in this country will turn out for your good. Do you get what I'm saying? Is, you understand this? I'm saying, well, I'm praying for someone to get healed and all of that. And then somebody else, and then say, well, God will answer my prayer. And that person comes and says, go and tell the person. Go and tell that person that I asked this person to do so, so and so in their lifetime. Go to the sick bed, tell the person. Tell that person, make the decision to do what God said you should do. And you'll be out of this place in a week. And the person breaks out into tears and says what? And brings out a book and says, you know, I was reading, I came to that conclusion. You are a confirmation of this. Pray for me. I agree I will do it. Do you get what I'm saying here? And they get up and leave. You can't transfer that to somebody else. You can't tell somebody to go and dip themselves seven times now in the pool and you'll get healed. It's not the water that has the healing. It's the voice of God. Now, so let me show you what we're saying. Exodus chapter 3 here, verse 4. And this God's system. This is the way he works it. That's why when Cornelius prayed to God, the angel came, but the angel said, look, it's not me going to tell you anything. Send for one Simon Bajona. He shall tell thee words by which thou and thy house shall be saved. He will tell you the words. The instructions he will give them to you. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, this Moses, and called, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And then he told him, he said, draw out now, hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
And he said, I am the Lord God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith, for he was afraid to look upon God. And verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction, all right, of the people of Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, I am come down. Now, it was these people that prayed, and God said, I've heard their prayer. Their request is to be delivered from the oppression and the bondage of the Egyptians. So I have come down to do it. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and to bring them out of the land into a good land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, he said, I heard, all right, the cry of Israel has come unto me. I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, he says, come now therefore, and I will send you. So, the minute Moses, that's where Moses was sent. What caused Moses to be sent was the prayers of the people. They were crying, all right, that their bondage, they were in bondage, and they were crying unto God concerning it. God said, I have heard their prayer. I am therefore sending you. So, a person, but they themselves didn't really get the system. That's why they were fighting Moses. Same thing Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and those that I send to you. He said, how often will I have gathered everything? He said, now your house is left unto you desolate. He said, you will not see me again until you say in your heart, Blessed is he that comes to me in the name of the Lord. Which means that, Lord, I now understand it. When you answer my prayer, you send people. Blessed is that person that comes to me in the name of the Lord. Now, when you're like that, then God has developed meekness inside you because you understand that, you know, you can't do this thing alone. All right? You can't attribute everything, all right, to yourself. So, you pray... And then you open up yourself and say, God, send. And once he sends, all right, to you, he raises up a voice to speak to you. What happens is it redirects everything you hear at that particular level. You perceive. That's why Jesus said, hearing they heard not and seeing they didn't perceive. You come to the place where you perceive by the Spirit of God. All right? And in your everyday life, it doesn't even have to be a physical person that comes to speak to you. And you could get books there. For Paul himself, this is what they said of Paul. They said his letters, that's his books, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak. In fact, what they were saying was, this man that is coming to preach to us, he doesn't write these letters. Because these letters are weighty and powerful. This man, maybe he's doing plagiarism. Somebody else is writing in his team. And they were trying to undermine his ministry. And Paul said, when I come, you will know that what is written, I will be so unto you physically. In other words, what Paul was saying was that I will match my letters by my presence. So you see how much powerful letters are, what books are. Kenneth Hagin never came to Nigeria. Kenneth Hagin never entered Africa. I don't think there's anybody who has influenced Christianity in this continent as much as Hagin. But he never stepped into this continent. But what did he do? He sent his books there. All right? And books are very, very powerful. And the reason why they say they're very, very powerful is that books will just give you the information without anything. No biases, no prejudice. Okay? 
Uh, you can look at somebody and say, I don't like this person. And because you don't like the person, the way the person is, you don't listen properly to it. But if you are reading book, there's no whether the person is sleepless or whether they should. You just take the information. That's why books sometimes are more effective. All right? That's why any real person will tell you, uh, come and say, uh, can you tell me your secret structure? They'll tell you it's inside my book. If you can't get it from the book, you can't get it from me, brother. So Acts chapter 7, verse 35, it says this. Acts 7, now you see the change. Uh, this Moses whom they had refused, said, who made a ruler and a judge, the same God did send. Now, all right, to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel that appeared to him. So when that sending goes forth, angelic beings are operating also there. That is, the people who have up, pulled up their prayer to God and come in consciously, there is angelic activity when it comes to their own operation there in order for them to be able to see and in order for them to be able to hear. Exodus 13 and verse 3. All right, Exodus 13 and verse 3. Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord, he brought you out of this place. So there is that recognition there that the hand of God now gets involved in it. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.